Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we're going to be talking about why we're no longer vegetarian. And we will jump into that in a moment. But first, we want to give a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash plant powered people is where you can go to support this show and the other work and free resources we create for the world. And we've had a few new Patreon supporters sign up and you just it just makes our hearts so <laughs> light up. We're so, so grateful for support. It takes a lot to, to keep this show going. And um, yes, we're so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. So why we're no longer vegetarian? Tony, what the heck? What? <laughs> how did you make this decision to not be vegetarian anymore? Well, my time vegetarian was a lot shorter than you yours. You became vegetarian when you were a little tiny girl, but I was already out of my parents' house. And as soon as I was in college, I was introduced to so much information about what happens in the dairy industry. And I had no idea. I was so prideful of being an ethical vegetarian. I I became and stayed vegetarian because of what happened to chickens and uh, cows in the beef industry. And I just wore it as a badge of honor. And it wasn't until I was talking to my friends, Pat and Jenny, Pat Piccolo, who you know, and they were like, well, we understand you're an ethical vegetarian, but have you thought about what happens on dairy farms? And I, I hadn't. I was like, well, uh, cows produce milk because that's just how nature is. Uh, but I didn't realize that they were forcibly impregnated, that they had their babies taken away. And it really touched me to learn that information and what is what pushed me over to veganism. And that's why I'm no longer vegetarian. How about you, Michelle? Yeah, um, I have sort of a similar, I was vegetarian for a long time. I went vegetarian when I was eight years old. And unlike Tony, who went vegetarian for health reasons initially, I just loved animals and I didn't want to eat them. (laughs) Didn't want to cause them harm or kill them. And so I just stopped eating animals. And I thought that was that I thought I, I thought, okay, now my food's no longer harming anyone. And then when I was in college, I loved reading. I went to a used bookstore with my friend. I picked up a copy of this book called Animal Liberation because I just loved animals. It was a really old book written in the 70s. I had no idea of the significance of it. It was probably 50 cents at the bookstore in Berkeley. Brought it home, read it in like a day or two. It's written by Peter Singer, who is, I think he teaches at Princeton, is an ethicist. (laughs) Basically talks about the ethics of our food systems. And it goes into all the different food systems. So not only the meat industry and whatnot, but also the dairy industry and the egg industry. And that was the first time I really was exposed to what is happening in those industries and how awful and horrible it was. And then it was also written out in this book that applies it to just our general ethics and our choices and how to make choices that are aligned with our values. And so I read that book. And as soon as I put the book down, I was like, okay, I'm going vegan. I just, I, I I will always want to act in alignment with what I believe is right. And now I understand that uh, what I've been doing, all of the milk and the cheese and everything that I've been eating, thinking that all is good and well is really causing a lot of harm to animals. So 
at that point over uh, over the summer, I was it summer away from college, I made a decision to go vegan and it took me, I think a few weeks. I didn't, I didn't say, okay, in this instant, I'm going to do it because I didn't know how. And in my head, I thought it was going to be really hard. I thought it was going to be potentially a sacrifice to my health, but I was willing to make that in order to not harm animals. I had no other contacts or information about how to practically and helpfully transition my diet. So I I took a few, maybe a few weeks or maybe a month to make that transition. And then I went vegan. So we can't, we are still vegetarian just to, to make things clear. We're vegetarian and we're vegan. I know that's a bit of a quick baby title and we apologize, but this is really important stuff we want to talk about. So if you're here and you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And I hope that this episode inspires you to take some steps further to align align with your existing moral compass. And if you are already vegan, hopefully you can learn a little bit more about milk. So milk is really what we're talking about today, how to find delicious plant-based milks, what milks to look out for, how to make your own milk, everything you need to know about milk and a little bit about the dairy industry. Do you want to start with milk myths, Michelle? What are some that you've been hearing since you were a kid? So the big one, the obvious one is calcium. You need milk to get your calcium for a long time. And if anyone asked me, where does calcium come from? I would just say milk. I had no concept of calcium existing in the world outside of milk. You just assume that's all it is. And still today, if I ask people, hey, where do you get your calcium from? They say milk. But hey, Tony, should we kind of crush these myths as we go along real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's calcium in plant kingdom in abundance. Where do cows get their calcium? They get them from plants that then goes into the milk. It's also oftentimes dairy milk is fortified with calcium, so it's supplemented into the milk. It doesn't actually come from the dairy cow's milk oftentimes. But anyway, there's calcium in things like green leafy vegetables, like kale, And soy foods, tofu is really high in calcium. Soy milk often has lots of calcium. Pretty much any of the plant-based milks that you get today are also fortified in the same way that dairy milk is. And yeah, uh, I think things like collard greens and spinach, just, just if you're eating an abundance of plants and then also some fortified foods, if that's helpful and you're worried about not getting enough, you're probably getting plenty of calcium. Good job. What's another one you've heard? I like broccoli. I love broccoli. <laughs> yeah, broccoli is my jam. I'm actually, I'm going to try to grow it this year. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. I don't even know what a broccoli plant looks like, to be honest. They're cute. They're cute They're little cute. trees. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see. Okay, so what's another myth that you've heard, Tony? Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking for another calcium. That works too. Well, I remember seeing these ads as a kid. I grew up in the 90s. And the uh, Milk Does the Body Good ad was really out there. All these celebrities were doing it. Even the president of the United States did it. And there was this association with having strong bones and milk doing the body good uh, that I just saw over and over again. And so that's what I thought and now believe to be untrue. Yeah, it's crazy. If you really do research about milk and bones, you actually find the opposite correlation. So in the areas of the world where 
the least amount of milk is consumed, you find the lowest rates of osteoporosis. And where you were drinking tons and tons of milk and dairy and everything, we're seeing really high levels of osteoporosis. And there's all sorts of different heavy research that goes into milk and bones. And when you scale back and look at the world and all the research out out there and compile it all, you start to see that milk really isn't the thing that's benefiting our bones. Calcium is for sure important to be getting. Mama cow's milk meant for baby cows is, is not what we need for our bones. So I encourage you guys to do that research. Yes, you will learn a lot. Along with that, it's kind of you see all of these milk mustache ads and they often get like Olympic athletes or really popular actors, whatever people we look up to and that we think are the epitome of health are, we have to remember, these are paid ads by an industry that is is profiting off of us buying more milk. It is not, these are not ads that are run by anyone looking out for our health, even though they're suggesting health claims they're often, it's a suggestion because it's false. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> this is not where we should be getting our nutrition information from. Anyway, another myth that is common is that kids need milk to be healthy. And that's something that I've been encountering a lot. Now that I have a kid of my own, I'm getting a lot more questions about this from parents, which I can't and won't answer it specifically because I am not a doctor. I'm not a pediatrician. Definitely consult your pediatrician. But I will say, think about it. For all of human history and look at any other species in the world, babies drink their own mother's milk. Baby human drinks their mom's milk. Baby cows drinks their cow's mom's milk. Baby giraffe drinks giraffe's mom's milk. Baby rats drink their rat's mom's milk. And then once they no longer need the milk, they go on to other foods and get their nutrients from all the other foods they're eating, and they're just fine. Same thing for humans. We do not need to keep drinking milk in order to get our protein and our calcium and our our vitamins. Like that can come from our food. So you don't need milk to be healthy for our kids. I was thinking, I'm trying to do a Google search right now of this drink that my grandma used to make for me. She wanted me, me to be big and strong. And uh, she used to make this milk egg drink it's like milk with I think maybe egg yolk maybe a couple of them and some chocolate like um cocoa powder and a little bit of sugar and I would have to drink that on a nearly daily basis and I'm surprised my cholesterol isn't through the roof wait was it raw egg yolk I can't remember I was such a little kid wait dang that's intense Yeah, I think it was a raw egg yolk and you just mix it all together. If anyone knows that drink, one, you can feel my pain, but two, let me know what it's called. I'm trying to do a Google search right now and I don't see anything. I found one. It's a Mexican drink, so that would make sense. But yeah, it was gross. But she wanted me to be big and strong. And and so that's what she gave me based on the information that she had. And Right. The sentiment is good. <laughs> yeah. I just remember being like... Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Like in our age, when we grew up, it was definitely the time where if you were a parent and you weren't making your kid drink a glass of milk with your meal, you were like shamed as a bad parent. It's crazy how much the dairy industry infiltrated our nutrition information and whatnot. Also, I remember this really clear 
they really clearly preferred vitamin D whole milk and thought that I wouldn't get the benefits from like low fat milk or something like that. And so I remember my grandma having a very strong desire to have me only drink vitamin D milk. Don't don't remember why, but that was a thing. Fascinating. I also do want to say if any of you out there listening are parents and are experiencing this with your kids and your pediatrician is saying, hey, okay, you're stopping breastfeeding. It's time to move on to milk. Definitely get milk in every day. Um, You don't need to just say, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to do that. But just ask your doctor, your pediatrician, okay, so what is it in milk that my child needs and how else can I get that? And first of all, keep in mind, pediatricians are generally not registered dietitians. They're not nutritionists. They haven't studied this stuff. Their expertise is treating your ch- children's illnesses and and whatnot. They haven't studied nutrition for the vast, for the most part. So keep that in mind, but also giving them the benefit of the doubt. They do have a little bit of information about nutrition um, from their studies. Ask them where else they can get that information from. And if they're very adamant about you need milk, your baby needs milk, and I'm not going to even suggest other things, I would highly recommend looking elsewhere (laughs) because that's, that's concerning if a, if a doctor is not even open to providing you a path that aligns with. Is that a thing, Michelle? I, I've told multiple doctors that I've been vegan, even when I was younger and have, have, I've had like strange looks like, "Mm, okay, well, uh, kind of good luck with that. But in the baby world, baby doctor world, are the do- are there doctors challenging parents? For the most part, from my experience and what I've heard in, in the community of vegan, thousands of vegan parents that I've been connected with, it's not common. Most common, like my pediatrician was just like, oh, you're vegan. Cool. That's awesome. I have lots of parents who are raising awesome, healthy vegan kids. You're all good. He gave me a little booklet on, on nutrition, specifically, specifically for vegetarian and vegan diets, just so that we'd have that information. But he wasn't concerned at all. And every time I go in there, I'm like, are we all good? Are we all good? He's like, yeah, don't worry. We're all good. <laughs> but he's also a younger doctor. I think oftentimes younger doctors have a little bit more exposure to more current research. and so that could be one thing uh, like older pediatricians may have a little bit more outdated information on that front. And you have to remember, like it's, every doctor isn't equipped with the same knowledge, the same teachers, the same everything exposure. So you absolutely can come across them that have their personal beliefs and infuse that into their practice. So just, yeah, be a conscious parent and critique the information that you're getting and just don't ever just trust at the trust absolutely everything that's being said without doing your own research also. Uh, don't be Dr. Google. Your doctor's going to know more than Google. But just yeah, stand up for your beliefs a little bit and dig a little bit deeper. I I've also heard the suggestion of if you're struggling like you might live in an area where it's a little bit less progressive on the medical front. I don't know, where that information is just not as readily available and if you're having trouble finding a doctor for yourself as an adult or a pediatrician who's aware of vegetarian diets, I've heard the suggestion of looking into doctors of Indian descent because a lot of them are a lot more attuned and acclimated to vegetarian diets. And I thought that was an interesting tip I had never thought about before. But as soon as someone suggested that, I was like, oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> Michelle, what else do you think is a myth? 
So one last one that is really commonly said is that milk is nature's perfect food. And I understand where this comes from because it is like all the years of evolution have designed this milk to be perfectly balanced in nutrients, to have all the protein and other things that is needed by a baby cow. So a mama cow's milk is the perfect food for a baby cow to grow him into a huge like thousand pound heifer. <laughs> it, it's perfectly designed for that. If you look at cow's milk versus human's milk versus rat's milk versus uh, any other mammal's milk, they're all different ratios and proportions of nutrients, protein, calcium, everything that's needed that's customized to that individual mama's baby and especially to that species babies. And so when you look at nature's perfect food, a nature's perfect food for a human baby is the mama's ba- the mama's milk. <laughs> and then once you wean off of that milk, I mean it yes, you can find nutrients in cow's milk, but it is absolutely not needed and perfected into serving humans in the best way possible. And we see that when you look at books like the China study and other things out there that that when we as human adults continue to consume milk throughout our lives, it actually is really harmful. It can be cancer promoting. It has cholesterol. It's loaded with all of these things that are not health promoting. They're not beneficial for our longevity and our ultimate health. People have reactions to milk. It's actually one of the, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is more than 50% of the world is lactose intolerant. And we look at that as like this weird thing. Oh my gosh, you're lactose intolerant. Do you like have to take a pill when you eat? But it's actually totally normal to stop drinking milk after you've weaned as a as a baby or small child. And then our bodies, many of ours, more than 50% of the world naturally stop producing the enzyme that breaks down mother's milk. And so then if you continue to drink milk as a result, as an, as, as an adult, your body reacts and... Um, is trying to fight off these things that it no longer has the ability to break down, which is just the further evidence that our bodies are not designed to continue drinking milk into adulthood. I remember listening to the book Skinny Bitch when like many years, many, 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 many years ago, and they were talking about a study that was done by Johnson and Johnson to show how many people were actually lactose intolerant. And it wasn't because they wanted to have you stop drinking milk, but it was because they wanted to promote their medication that you take with your food uh, to help you break it down. And they used that research to say, hey, you can still You could be lactose intolerant and still eat the foods you love. Uh, Here's our medication. And I just, I thought that that was such an interesting fact from that book. Yeah. And it's so fascinating how as human beings, because we're in this culture, at least in America, in other areas, it's a lot more normal to not drink milk. But in America, you're seen as super weird if you're not drinking milk or eating dairy. And so like my best friend growing up, she is lactose intolerant. And the normal thing to do when your kid is lactose intolerant is give them medicine, get lactate or lactose free dairy milk and like find ways to keep integrating this thing that your body is saying, no, I don't want this. I can't take this so that you can keep consuming it and 
just keep taking medicine to be able to break it down. And now today, that same best friend is just so excited by vegan food and just avoids eating milk. And now that vegan food is so accessible and plant-based food is so accessible, it's like, oh my gosh, why did I ever make such an effort to be able to consume this thing, these things that my body clearly didn't even want to begin with? Yeah, it's just, it's going to, I feel like it's getting easier and easier and more often now when people are realizing, okay, my body just doesn't react well to this food. It's not, how can I find a way to eat it anyway? It's okay, let's not eat this food. Let's turn to the wonderful world of plants. <laughs> Definitely. I know for me, thinking that it was natural, it goes a little bit back to not understanding and not knowing. And that first introduction from my friends, Pat and Jenny, about how it happens and making the connection and the the parallels between human gestation and milk production and then weaning uh, to cows gestation period, pregnancy, birthing, and then weaning. And it's, it's about the same. Okay. So they need to be pregnant to produce milk for their babies, like human mamas. And all the time they're, um, impregnated. And if you're a cow sentenced to the dairy industry, you're forcibly impregnated until you can no longer become pregnant and birth healthy babies. And so you're just in this vicious cycle until you can no longer have a baby and then you're sent to slaughter. And then your babies are taken away so that humans can take your milk, which is just awful. Can you imagine being I mean, you're breastfeeding right now, Michelle. Imagine take, having your baby taken away and being stuck to a machine is just really harsh to think about. And then I learned about the veal industry, which I we've talked about on other episodes, but that's just terrible. The little baby girls are replacing their mothers and the baby boys who can't produce milk are sent to the veal industry where they're locked up and unable to turn around so that their meat, their muscles can stay tender and so that humans can eat them. And and so just the whole thing to me was so sad and I didn't know it. And it just still hurts my heart and is what keeps me vegan. And then the last part that really made me pause and think very critically about my food choices was that learning about the hormones that are produced by moms who are pregnant and nursing and how those are passed along. I I won't talk too much about that because I'm not a dietitian or doctor, but that is something that you can do research on and is troubling to me. Yeah. As a currently breastfeeding mom, I can tell you the hormones are real. I'm like getting emotional right now, but it... It is just, it's such, it is such a heartbreaking industry. And these mama cows, when they have their babies taken away, they'll often be like bellowing for hours, if not days. Oftentimes they won't eat or drink. They're just in deep despair, just like us. Any mamas out there know who carried a baby in your belly, you know, you're carrying a baby and your baby's born and you meet them for the first time. Like you're able to like protect, you just want to protect them and hold them and keep them safe and keep them fed. And all of that is stripped away from a mama cow within oftentimes hours, if not just a couple days after birth, the baby is 
torn away from her and she just bellows and cow version of crying, basically mourning her loss. There are also videos of mama cows chasing the car that their babies are being taken in, uh, just like screaming, chasing the car. And it's devastating to watch. Yeah. I know multiple people who started making that connect connection when they were a mom and they look down at their own baby and just understand the power of that connection and realizing that their food choices could be taking babies away from other moms and that they want to <laughs> instead protect those connections. Our food cho- It's crazy that what we eat on our plate can cause a separation of a mom and baby, but it absolutely happens every time we drink milk. So that's heartbreaking. And just one other thing that I want to go back to that Tony was talking about, the artificial insemination. Any of you who are listening who are women have to really think about how this industry exploits the body of women. This isn't like, okay, we put a female cow with a male cow and let them like get it on. When the the female cows are constrained into what the industry calls rape racks, that's a word that they use to describe this, this tool. They're constrained and then a human manually inseminates them, sticks their arm way up into the cow. It's just really horrifying. It's such an exploitation of a, a woman's reproductive system. And then to have, it's just to have to go through pregnancy in a locked up industry state and then have your baby and then have your baby taken away. It's just, it's just awful. This is a really, really, really terrible industry. And I hope that you'll open up your heart and realize that these changes aren't too hard to make. Now, when we're going to talk about the happy, wonderful world of plant-based milks, you realize that it's just not a hard transition to make. And if you haven't yet, please let now be the time. Just do it. It's not hard. It's better for your body. It's better for our world, the environment, and you're going to prevent so much suffering. And you could do it like I did. I first gave up cow's milk, then I gave up ice cream, then I gave up like this and then that. And over time, it made the process so easier, so much easier for me. And I set myself up for long-term success and I just kept my heart on the long-term goal uh, that is vegan forever and, and didn't care about how long it took me to get there. Yeah, definitely. I, when I first started, when I first read that book, decided I wanted to go vegan and was like, oh God, what do I need to take away? Take away the milk. What do I put in instead? At the time, there weren't like 7 million milk options at the store. I bought soy milk. I didn't even know there were like different types or styles. So I bought whatever was there. And when I first tried it, I was like, this is disgusting. (laughs) This is disgusting because I've been used to eating something for two decades at that point and trying something different, of course, that I had never tasted before. I was not used to just, it was weird. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to like in my morning cereal, I'm going to pour half cow's milk and half soy milk. And I sort of like weaned myself off the way that you'd like change a dog's dog food slowly over the course of a week. And then I just increased the proportion of plant-based milk compared to cow's milk until my taste buds adjusted. And I was blown away that within like a few days or a week, by the time I had only soy milk in my cereal and no cow's milk, my taste buds had totally adjusted. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. Oh, I can't even imagine going back already to the to the cow's milk. It tastes like kind of sour and kind of weird. And so a thing to really remember as you're switching to new foods or transitioning to different foods is that when you first try something your your mouth has never tasted before, 
oftentimes we have an aversion to it or, or a negative reaction or just like we're like, oh, that's different, weird. But if you give it a chance and keep trying it a few times, integrate it into your meals a few times, it's amazing how we'll start liking things that we once didn't like. And you can think about a lot, a lot with a lot of different foods. I mean, even outside of transitioning away from dairy, like think about foods that you hated as a kid. You maybe tried them once you were like, I'll never eat this again. And then you didn't try it again until you were like 20 or 30. I think of for me, like olives or pickles, even tomatoes. I hated all these food because I tried them once. It was different. I didn't like it. And then I never tried them again. And then as an adult, adult, I realized, let me just keep trying these a few times. And now I love them. Like I could, I could list at least 10 foods that I would never touch before that now are like some of my favorite foods. So allow yourself a chance to let your taste buds adjust. If you consider yourself a picky eater, get that term out of your head. I mean, we're all just, just don't label yourself as someone who's going to not like something the first time they try it. Try and think of yourself as someone with an open mind, a curious spirit, try the different foods, have fun in that like state of exploration, give things a chance multiple times and approach it with a positive attitude, good energy. And you'll be amazed how fast you're going to start loving plant-based foods. Yeah. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but in case you've missed those, Tony in my thirties would have considered Tony in my teens to be very picky. And it was only because it, it was the exposure that I had. My parents ate the foods that they liked, which were at a minimum. And, and so going into vegetarianism and then veganism, everything seemed so weird. I had never had kale or quinoa or or anything like that. And, and then to try a milk that wasn't vitamin D whole milk, I was like, Oh, this is weird. And so I had framed it in my head that I was going to be missing out on so much. I loved dairy ice cream. I loved cheese, but instead it just introduced me to so many new ingredients and types of foods. And, uh, and so now instead of ice cream for dinner, I could make, I mean, I could eat vegan ice cream, but I could make the popular Thai dessert that is coconut rice, coconut rice with mangoes on top. And yeah, my favorite. It's so good, but it has introduced me to so many different types of foods and international cuisines that I did not have exposure to growing up. And I think it was the same for me as it was to eliminate dairy products. It was slowly incorporating like one meal at a time, just trying something new, whether it was an ingredient or a dish, trying, just, just trying a little bit at a time. I love that. Explore, have an open mind, try lots of things. It absolutely cannot hurt. It can only give you more more foods in your repertoire. So that's great. Okay, let's talk about types of milk. When you're talking about plant-based milk, you have so many options. It's almost like every food can be milked. You can have soy milk. You can have almond milk. You can have, well, pretty much any nut milk. So you can have hazelnut milk, cashew milk's really creamy, Brazil nut milk. You can have walnut milk. You can you can milk any nut. You just blend it up with water and strain out the pulp. You can have oat milk. That's like all the rage these days. Really good as like a coffee creamer, especially because it's very creamy and a little bit sweet. You can have coconut milk, which is uh, people say like, oh, you can't use the word milk for plants. Well, honey, coconut milk is like the original milk. <laughs> very natural milk. 
You don't have to do anything to it, but drink it. Hemp milk, flax, rice milk. There's so many options out there. Michelle, there are, it's a little bit overwhelming at this point. There's like a whole aisle dedicated to plant-based milks. What is your favorite? So if someone is new to plant-based milk, which one would you prefer? My favorite is soy milk. I think it tastes the most similar, not similar, but just like creamy and delicious and good and doesn't have a strong other flavor. A lot of these other things like almond milk taste nutty. Oat milk tastes like oats. Passion milk tastes pretty bland. So you could, you could, and again, creamy. So that's another good one to try. Coconut obviously tastes like coconut. So I really like soy milk. It's also very high in protein, which is great. And it's so widely accessible, which is also great. Like that was when I went vegan, you didn't have an overwhelming choice of things. Your choices were soy milk, maybe almond milk if you were lucky. (laughs) What's your favorite, Tony? Also soy milk. I use the silk unsweet version. And that one, I have served it to many dairy lovers and it seems to satiate them. It's thicker, which I appreciate. Some milks like rice milk are really thin and don't give the same mouthfeel. So especially in drinks that I'm making like hot cocoa or or chata or whatever, if I'm adding just a little bit of milk, I use soy milk because of the consistency. It's it's, uh, also, it has a lot of protein and uh, it's super accessible. As Michelle said, you can find it whether you shop at Whole Foods or Walmart, you can find it everywhere. It's also usually one of the most affordable milks. Like Tony's finds things of soy milk for like 79 cents or something. (laughs) Yes, that's so true. Okay. Yeah. And like you were saying, so depending on the types of milks you drink before. So if you were drinking whole milk, Tony, you're probably going to want to look for the creamiest, thickest option out there in plant-based milk when you're making that transition. So you can find something that's similar to what you were used to. But if you were used to drinking skim milk or 2% low fat milk, whatever you were used to, to drinking, different of these options are going to best replicate that for you. Um, So just keep that in mind. Also, if you were going to buy, let's say almond milk, there's like about a hundred thousand different brands of almond milk. That's probably not even an exaggeration. There are so many and each one tastes different. It's just, it's all a little bit different. So if you try one and you hate it, of course, keep giving it a try. Remember that our taste buds adjust and adapt to what we're more used to. But also consider trying another brand. Don't just write off almond milk forever being like, oh, that's gross. I tried it once and it was disgusting. Keep trying it. Try different brands. Try different types. And yeah, give it a try. Then also, Tony mentioned that she got the unsweet soy milk. So one of the things that I didn't realize for a while after going plant-based is that when you're buying plant-based milks, there's a few different varieties. You can either get sweetened or unsweetened. Unsweetened, I think, is usually called the original. And so since dairy milk is often a little bit sweet, they will add sweetener to plant-based milks to make it also a little bit sweet and creamy and so delicious. So you can get sweetened and unsweetened. If you're ever baking, make sure to get the unsweetened kind. Sorry, not baking, but like cooking. If you're ever cooking a savory meal, make sure you're not using sweetened plant-based milk. Use unsweetened. And then the other thing to look out for is they'll often have flavored or not flavored. So like vanilla. If you see like vanilla soy milk, that'll be soy milk with added sweetness and vanilla. 
So you want to make sure if you're cooking, again, savory dishes, that you don't have vanilla flavor in your creamy pasta. (laughs) Nasty. So look for unflavored, unsweetened. But if you're just drinking the milk for the sake of drinking the milk, I really love the sweetened and vanilla flavors, especially in coffee and drinks and smoothies. Oh my gosh, so good. Cereal. Mm. Yum, yum, yum. So basically, try out different milks. Uh, We recommend soy to start out with, but there are so many different uses for milk and you may like one type in... You may like a specific type in different things like baking or cereal. 100%. I will say that there is one brand that I want to holler to, not sponsored, but it is West Soy. And they make an unsweetened, unflavored soy milk. And the only, it comes in one of the, in the like, on the aseptic packages that are shelf stable. The only ingredients in it are soybeans and water. And I love always having it in my pantry because anytime I'm working on a savory recipe or I need milk for a savory recipe, I know that I'll have that at the ready that's unsweetened and not flavored vanilla. But I also love it because if you are a coffee drinker and like lattes and like frothing up milk, it actually froths up really, really beautiful, um, beautifully, which you'll see some milks do and some milks don't. So if you have a milk frother and that's something that you enjoy, definitely check out the West Soy I think it's their original. It's just the unsweetened unflavored. The only ingredients are soybeans and water. I'll link or include a picture or something in our show notes so you can check it out. Cool. So on to homemade milk. I'll let you cover that, Michelle, since you make your own. Okay. So homemade milk is awesome. Whether you just like like cooking, like making your own stuff from scratch, or if you're trying to be more eco-friendly, environmentally friendly, save money, any of those reasons you might decide to make your own milk, it is extremely easy to make your own plant-based milk. You don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. and go milk the cows outside. None of that. You just need some raw nuts and water and a blender. Ideally, a high-powered blender, but if you don't have a high-powered blender, just soak your nuts before blending them. You add your nuts, you add your water. If you want any sweetness, you can add things like a medjool date or some sugar or some maple syrup. If you want some flavor, you can add a dash of vanilla extract. You can even have fun and add something like almond extract or something cool like that if you want a flavored milk. Blend it up, strain it through a nut milk bag, which is actually really fun. And then you have your milk stored in a in a glass um, glass jar or they have like glass, like almost like those milk jugs that the glass ones they used to use in the the olden days. They have those on Amazon. You can get stored in the fridge and there you go. That'll last you for good three plus days. Easy peasy. Okay. 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 So coffee creamer. I don't drink coffee, so I'll also let you care for that one. Okay. This is just something that totally blew my mind. So I created a course called the Dairy Detox, the 12 day dairy detox. So we had tons of people coming through that course, trying just who were trying to get off dairy for 12 days. And I thought for sure the biggest struggle people have would be cheese and just milk in general. But the, one of the most common questions we got from people and struggles that we heard from people was they weren't finding something that was good in their coffee to replace the coffee creamer they were used to having. And I was blown away because you go to the store and now I see like Soy coffee creamer, hazelnut coffee creamer, peppermint chip coffee creamer, like Nutella, vegan coffee. These are all like a hundred different types types of plant-based coffee creamers now exist. So I guess I would say the same thing 
first. There's tons of options. Try a bunch of them until you find what you like. A lot of people love oat milk in their coffee, even if it's not specifically coffee creamer. Oat milk is is thick and creamy and yummy. Something like Oatly, give that a try. But you can also try all the coffee creamers that are in the store, even mainstream brands. So if you like a mainstream, like I can't remember which coffee mate or whatever, like all those mainstream brands are now coming out with dairy-free versions that are accidentally vegan. So you can look for those. You can make your own. So if you make your own nut milk, coffee creamer is just usually a little bit thicker. So you can use less water and more nuts and you'll end up with a much creamier milk that you can use as your coffee creamer. So many options. Don't give up. Just keep trying them until you find what you like. And give again, give your give your body a chance to just adjust. Give your taste buds a chance to adjust. We're going to kind of wrap this up, but to leave you guys, it, this is a really exciting time. There's so many options out there. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say do a little mil- vegan milk taste test, but Tony, do you remember when we did our milk taste test? Yes. I feel like we should talk about that for a moment. So Tony and I do these taste test videos that we post on my YouTube channel, the World of Vegan YouTube channel. And we decided to do plant-based milks. At this point, we had both been vegan for maybe 10 years. And we got a whole array of different common brands of plant-based milk. And we sat down and we put them in little tiny tasted bowl cups and tried them one by one. And I was really blown away how as when I was tra- tasting them with a critical mind, we were like straight spitting half of them out on the floor. <laughs> I know it's so rude. And I'm, uh, it, it's kind of like, I know it sounds a little bit harsh, but some of them were just so bad. We couldn't keep them in our mouths. Yeah. And it, but it's also interesting how like, I feel like I could have poured that in my cereal and eaten it without a second thought. But when we were sitting there trying to think like, what don't we like about this? We were finding all sorts of things. <laughs> I will say the one that I like, the silk, unsweet, unflavored one, is I drink that in a cup yeah. with, if I'm eating cookies, I'll have I'll have a glass of milk with it. Or I was eating bread the other day, like a, a sweet bread, and I had it, it just as a companion glass. And so I I do like that one to drink. Anyway, just keep in mind, if you try a bunch, there might be some you really don't like. Michelle and I did this video and there was one oh. that we didn't love. And uh, and we went about living our lives. We did this video. We didn't like some. And there was one in particular that we had a negative reaction to. Wait, like a really negative reaction. We kind of vomited it up almost. And then we said... And we, we gave some commentary. Yep, and we said, we have these coupons <laughs> that we had for free more of the milk for free. And we so couldn't stomach it that we were like, if anyone wants these coupons, we'll send them to you. Just let us know in the comments. <laughs> okay. So fast forward a couple years or maybe a year and we are at this event and we stopped by the booth of that company at the Natural Products Expo West. And then the CEO founder was there and he kept on asking us, what would you change? What uh, so what do you think about this? And we were like, well, he's really asking us, geez, I wonder, I wonder why. And then we talked about it later, like, oh my gosh, he probably saw our video. I'm sure they do. Um, they, they have someone on their team who goes and looks for reviews on their product. And we felt really bad. 
Oh my God. Yeah. We walked away and Tony was like, that was the company that we hated their milk when we tried it. And I had totally forgotten that. So we were just like in our just expo best. Oh yeah, this is good. Tastes good. Good job. <laughs> oh God. How embarrassing. Now the world knows. Okay. Okay. So we also wanted to give another shout out to our book, which I think you would love if you are trying to get the whole family on board and create recipes like fettuccine alfredo or mac and cheese that were heavy on dairy. We have the cookbook for you. We have a book called The Friendly Vegan Cookbook, which we think you'll love. Yes, we crafted this book specifically to be sort of the ultimate vegan cookbook, the cook, the book that we wish we had had back in the day that is filled with recipes that you know you are good enough to feed your family and friends who are not vegan, not plant-based. So good. We spent so much time perfecting every recipe and really hope you check it out. We'll include the link in the show notes, but if you just want to search it on Amazon or wherever, find it at your local bookstore, it is called The Friendly Vegan Cookbook. Also, Michelle has a couple of resources. Michelle, do you want to tell them about those resources? Yeah. So if you want to learn more about the dairy industry, I did create a draw my life video. It's an illustrated video showing the life of a dairy cow. And I created it because uh, it's really hard to go and see the actual real life graphic footage of what's happening in the dairy industry. I think it's important to watch. So if you are able to stomach that, I encourage you to, but if you're not able to stomach it, check out the illustrated draw my life video of a dairy cow. We will link it in the show notes. And that is just like less than, I think it's five minutes long. So it's a, it's a short watch and, um, yeah, hope you enjoy it more than yeah. millions of people have watched that video and it has inspired a lot of people to, um, make kinder food choices. So that's great. And then I also, as I mentioned earlier, created a program called the 12 day dairy detox, um, with my friend, Allison Rivers, Sampson T totally walks you through day by day through daily videos and content, how to adjust to life without dairy and how to do a little 12 day experiment of being dairy free and really sets you up for success in the long run as well. And so if you want to check that out, you can find it at the dairy or over in our show notes. Also a reminder, if you would love to support our podcast, we would love that too. <laughs> I am always, Michelle mentioned this earlier, but I'm always just like, my heart turns super warm and fuzzy on the inside and I just get all of the feelings. So if you want to do that, go to patreon.com slash people, and we would very much appreciate it. Thank you all so much for listening. I know this was a little bit more of a heavy episode. We really try and keep them light and happy as much as we can. And we will be back to that next week. But thank you so much for staying with us. Wishing you all so much love. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.